0: Cuff Radio is about to begin. Everybody loves a hero. I believe there's a hero in all of us. Well, welcome to Real Cuff. And we've got a very interesting interview tonight. Um, Sean Weed. He is going to share with you about his testimony about actually dying and going to hell and then coming back. And what he saw and, and you know, what he needs to basically explain to you because, uh, and I, I really ag- agree right here where Sean is, is, um, you know, a similar type testimony happened to me when I was younger and I don't want to see anybody go to hell. I don't want to see it, you know even your worst enemies you don't want to see him go there so welcome Sean
1: uh, thank you for having me on Todd
0: and Sean if you want to start anywhere in your interview go right ahead and we'll see where it goes
1: okay um, well for those out there listening my name is Sean weed um, I grew up in Louisiana and um, Joined the Marine Corps when I was 19, and roughly when I was about 22 years old, I actually um, um, got killed. I guess there's no other way to say it. Um, I died while I was in the Marine Corps, and um, and obviously you're uh, you're listening to me now, so I obviously came back. You know, it's kind of like watching a movie of the Titanic or something. You know how it's going to end. The boat's going to sink, but you know. <laughs> But um, this, is, uh, this is basically my story, and for those of you out there who are listening, um, uh, I hope you can, you know, take this with a grain of salt, because uh, it's, it's kind of a hard testimony to take, um, you know, because not many people actually get to die and come back. I was uh, one of the few lucky ones to actually be able to do that. I mean, outside of an operating room, I mean... Uh, So I sit there and tell you that I was clinically dead for eight minutes, but I wasn't in a clinic, (laughs) you know Um, And um, this is basically my story Uh, at the age of 22 years old. I had uh, Went from North Carolina where I was uh, stationed at Camp Lejeune as a artillery marine and uh, we traveled to California 29 Palms, California and more specifically this uh, tiny little uh, base camp called Camp Wilson Out in the middle of Twenty Nine Palms, you get out in the middle of that desert, and uh, you know they've got to have a central point at some at some location. But that was the uh, the name of the location that we were at, and at that time, um, they had not built the uh, high speed uh, little um, domes that they have now. Um, They have concrete pads with uh, um, metal domes that you know can um, actually with heat and cold expand and contract but uh, in that day and age that I was back there and um, 1994 uh, they had a frames which are made of basically 2x4s and um, uh, sheet metal tin or there's like a tin roof I guess you could say and um, I was hanging out with my buddies inside this uh, little tin roof on a more or less like a vacation now, basically, the way that it works out and, um, with artillery is we go to training for what's called CACS, or Combi- Combined Armed Exercise, so C-A-X, and we just call it CACS 3-4-94, or whatever it is, you know, and that's that was the exercise that we were on. Um, we got there in um, March the 4th of 94, CACS, and, you know, hence the term 3-4-94. And um, we were supposed to stay for roughly a month and a half. Now, we would train for three weeks. We would go on a little four-day hiatus or a little, you know, intermittent pause in between, and then go for another three weeks with a different training uh, unit that that would uh, fly back and forth. And I'm I'm basically hanging out with my buddies. And um, uh, during those four days when the one um, group of Marines come, you know and basically they're their infantry element that uh, comes will have uh, one entire unit come and stay for three weeks and train with us and then they'll fly back and then during those four days another unit will come a completely separate uh, infantry element will come out there and join us fresh from the ground where we're you know three weeks into it and they're for them it's day one you know but um, Then we'll train for another three weeks and then we'll fly back and everything that we own goes back by train, you know. So it comes out there by train, goes back by train. Um, But the the, the troops, the artillery troops and the infantry troops fly by plane. Um, So anyway, we're in that little three or four day hiatus and our infantry uh, commander, well, our artillery commander, he gets out there and he tells us, you can either go to um, Vegas. For the you know for a couple of days you know for those three days or you can go to um, I, don't know, I forgot was Disneyland I think it is um, so you can either go to one of those two packages for three days and I didn't have any money so I was not going anywhere and uh, neither was the two guys that were with me so after everyone had left me and my buddies were just hanging out inside this a-frame and um, one of them corporal laycock um, yeah, Corporal Jason Laycock. He uh, he was a uh, S2 intelligence officer, and at that time, I guess I was technically part of the S3, um, which was kind of like a command control for artillery. Um, but anyway, uh, Corporal Laycock um, was basically showing us some pictures. Now he worked very closely with a naval officer. And that was his only uh, companion out there, out in the field. Is you know, with being an intelligence, he always had to travel from point to you know, point to point. But he would go very close to the impact area and take pictures of you know the explosions that had gone off. And um, he uh, he um, was showing us the pictures that he had taken from a roll of uh, film that he had developed out of a disposable camera. And um, we were just like, wow, man, how did you get these? How did you get that close? And he's like, I drove up into the impact area. And we're like, what? You know, you, you lost it? Have you lost your mind? Not even the infantry goes that close. He's like, yeah, I know. And I was like, man, you could have got shot up. You could have got blown up. You know, what's wrong with you? And he's like, eh. I was like, how did you convince the, the Naval officer to even let you go out there? And he's just like, man, I just told him we're doing it and we're doing it. You know, and that was it, you know. I'm just like wow okay you know this guy was uh, he was extremely uh, you know you know everybody always has jokes about intelligence officers not being so intelligent you know but this guy he was very very intelligent I once battled him in a uh, in a simulation um, where he played Russia and I played the United States and he spanked my pants right off me and um, but you know at the end because our, a lot of people don't know this, but <laughs> Russian artillery outrangers is bad, you know. Uh, but uh, at the end, it almost came down to a draw, but he still won. But this guy, he was brilliant. He could—he was a tactician. He could, he could fight like there was uh, no other, uh, you know, L- like it was just second nature to him. But he understood the enemy better than I did, you know. But uh, this guy, he was... Uh, he was very, very intelligent. I mean, just on a level that, you know, would make me seem like a simpleton. But um, anyway, he was showing us these pictures, and um, he only, you know, he pulls out the camera that he was taking them with, and he's, you know, it's one of those wind up disposable cameras, and he looked at it, and he only had like two or three pictures left. So he's like we're like man you like you have any more and he's like yeah I'm going to throw a film but I still have two more un, you know two more pictures I need to take and I'm like okay well take them and let's go you know let's go down and get them developed so we can see them you know cuz we you know he showed us and we were left wanting more you know so uh um basically he you know he took one picture he like get off get off you know get off my rack which is this little green cot um, folding cot that we used to sleep on and uh, he had his Alice pack and his sea bag, boots and everything else he owned beneath that cot. And he was like, you know, because he came from a uh, an upper crust family, I guess you could say, a silver spoon type kid, you know, who was always pampered. You know, just decided to join the military to to tick off his parents. But um, I guess he did it at a I guess a point of rebellion. But he wanted to prove that he was tough because this he was actually very skinny and. You know, very, he wasn't a timid guy, but he was um, not a, a, when you would think of the word nerd, I mean, he pretty much fit it. He wasn't a masculine guy. You know, he was about 125 pounds, soaking wet, uh, pretty tall. He was like 5'10, 5'11. And, um, you know, not a bad looking guy, but just skinny, you know? And um, basically, he, uh, you know he took a picture of his rack and he's like get off this they're never going to believe how we, you know the con- you know the conditions that we live in you know because it was just a sand floor and you know you look, look at the inside of it the inside of the the a-frame looked like a barn you know it was like 100 feet long and you know 40 feet wide and you know basically the ceilings just sloped down to they almost touched the ground and literally the the ceiling was about a foot off the ground on each side of the the the, uh, the a-frame and that's why they call it an a-frame because the roof came all the way down to the ground you can literally walk up the side of it um but he uh he he had one picture left and he goes man this gotta this gotta be a good one because i don't like to waste film you know and we're like come on man just take a picture and uh someone had tied a 13 knot noose out of hay rope and a lot of people don't know what hay rope is but it's a really really cheap rope Um, That we use to tie down our vehicles with. We throw all the equipment on our vehicles, tie it down, and then put those vehicles on the train to to come over to uh, California. You know, and it's a whole embarking process. But this hay rope is really cheap. It's not something like uh, you know you would see in a rodeo. They have nice waxed ropes that slide very easily. You know, once you rope something, it just slides. You know, the only way that you can, you know, literally keep it uh, sliding is on your saddle to wrap it around the horn of the saddle. And, well, anyway, anyway, um, the sprigs sticking out from this rope, little sprigs of hay, you know, because like I said, it's a hay rope. And um, it doesn't slide very easily. So when someone had gotten bored and tied a 13-night noose, And uh, hung it from one of the rafters. Nobody really cared. It wasn't like anybody was going to hang themselves from it, and it was basically hanging about a foot and a half off the ground. The noose itself, and the noose itself was so big, you could literally like fit a body inside of it. You know, it was literally like, you know, a a three foot circumference. So nobody was going to sit there and hang themselves from this rope. It was practically impossible you know so when someone had tied it in boredom and just hung it from the rafter no one cared nobody paid any attention they just kind of like went around it knocked it out of the way with their hand whatever and um, uh, you could tell the lights went on when he saw this rope because he got this look in his eyes and I've seen this look before and it was like One of those, you know, redneck moments where, you know, they're like, hey, watch this, you know, and next thing you know, you know, there's a whole lot of trouble that follows it, you know, but uh, he gets this look in his eyes, and I'm just like, oh, man, Uh, you know, I'm seeing him looking at this rope, and he goes, I got an idea. I'm like, oh, boy, what is it? And he's like, this is going to look pretty cool. You know, it's like, have you ever seen where, you know, people like hold their hand up to the sun and it looks like they got the the sun in their hand, you know, when you take the picture or they're like, look like they're leaning on a building or something holding up a rock or something, you know, something like that. You know, I'm like, yeah, Yeah. he's like, he says, uh, he goes, why don't you go over there and put your head in this noose and then. You know let your arms dangle down and I'll take a picture from your waist up and it will actually look like you're hanging because of the way that I'm going to take the picture you know and it's not going to be like a you know you're not going to see the whole body you're just gonna see it from the waist up you know so it's gonna really look like you're hanging And I'm like well I guess that's a you know not a bad idea you know I'm like I'm looking at the rope I'm like this what can possibly go wrong you know what could possibly happen you know this is gonna make for a good picture And, um, uh, basically, um, I, I didn't see it, but the other corporal that was in the room, um, Corporal Page, he was a, uh, S1 administration guy, and, um, he hardly ever went out to the field when we did, so he was constantly in the gym working out, you know, he had really had nothing to do, no life, so, I mean, he was constantly pumping out, he was like a little Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, I mean, just. This this kid was ripped, you know, just full of muscles and um, and uh, probably about five eight, 180 pounds and probably about three percent body fat, four percent body fat. I mean, it was ridiculous. This 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 guy was just, you know, ripped up and and um, he uh, I didn't see the light go on in his eyes, but he got an idea from off of the other guy's idea, and he basically went and whispered in the couple legcocks ear. I couldn't hear what he was saying, but. Corporal Acock then looks at him, you know, kind of gets this gleam in his eyes, and he says, "Hey, why don't you?" Uh, he goes, so "He goes, no, that's not the way that it goes." He goes, "If I buy, you fly," and he takes his wallet out, and that's a common thing with Marines, you know. If you're broke, another person has money, you, they'll give you money, but you have to go get them what they want, and then you can get something with, with what's left over. You know, it's called "I buy, you fly." But um. And that happens all the time, you know, like, you know, hey, I don't want to, I'm too lazy to go get a pizza, but I have 10 bucks. Here, take 10 bucks and go get a pizza and we'll share it. You know, something simple like that. he's like, if I buy you fly, you know, he's like, I'm not going to, you know, sit there and pay and go get it myself. So he takes 10 bucks out of his wallet, puts it in the guy's hands, and he kind of like, he looks confused for a little bit. And then he goes, oh, okay. And he just trots off, you know, and goes out the door, you know. And... Um, I didn't see exactly you know, I I don't know it was something something up, but I couldn't you know, I knew there was something weird with, you know, this little transaction between them, you know, I was reading their faces and I was like, What the heck is going on here? But I couldn't figure it out. You know, and then he finally goes, Okay, dude, he goes, I'm ready to take a picture and, You know, and you know, the couple page had left and he kneeled down and he goes, Oh man, the you know, the battery's out. So he goes over there, he replaces the battery in the camera. And then um kneels down to uh, take a picture again and um, he's basically sitting there giving me instruction and he's talking really really fast he's like okay now cock your head to the left so stick your tongue out blah 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 and as he's talking Nancy's giving me instructions more you know, like let your arms dangle let your tongue you know cock your head slightly to this side and stick your tongue out and do this and do that and I, well, I didn't realize what was going on was is he was talking so fast that to hide the sound of corporal page sneaking up behind me because he one of the things he obviously said if you're dead close your eyes you know you know so I got my eyes closed and I can't you know I didn't notice the the light fluctuation in the room when he opened the door behind me because the a frame has two doors one on each end you know it's like a barn long barn with a door on each end and he went out the one door in front of me and then came around behind me and came in the door behind me while I was sitting there with my eyes closed and he's giving me all these instructions and he's using his voice to cover up the the footsteps of him sneaking up behind me in the sand you know so i can't even hear the footsteps coming up behind me and you know my eyes were closed so i didn't notice the the change of light in the room and then all of a sudden you know i had just exhaled and he stuck up behind me and grabbed this knot of the, on the rope and slammed it down around my neck <laughs> Now, when he did that, it was just immediately, you know, I couldn't breathe in, and it it just caught me by complete surprise, so I just stood up, you know, and opened my eyes, and they're just kind of like, you know, laughing, like, yeah, I got you, stupid, you know, and I'm just like, oh, man, you know, and I'm like, you know, but this thing, even though I'm standing up, this thing is still choking me. You know, and it's like I got all this slack dangling down from my neck towards my knees and then back up towards the rafter because, there's, like I said, this thing was long. This rope was long, and, you know, like, like literally when it was just sitting there, you could put your foot in it and almost stand up on it, you know. You only had to lift your foot up about six inches to put your foot in the noose, and then once you – Put your foot in the noose. You could literally, if the two by four would hold you, you could stand up on it. So it wasn't like it's going to slide down and you know catch around your feet. You literally had to move it with the 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 knot on the noose with your hands. So he grabs this knot and he slams it down around my neck. Uh, Like I said, I just stood up and I was just in you know just shock. You know, I was like, whoa, I can't breathe in. You know, and I look at them They're just like you know laughing at me, and I'm like you know they had seen me do stuff before because i'm a big guy i'm roughly six one and right now i'm I'm like 270 pounds Uh, yeah i'm a little bit fat you know right now but i'm still strong as i ever was you know i can still lift 400 500 pounds and they've seen me do that before you know i just pick up something that weighs 400 pounds like it's nothing you know and they had seen me do like pick up generator trailers and pick up you know just trailers full of equipment and just you know turn it around on my own you know something that would take three or four other men to do they see me do that so when they saw me you know stick my you know when they spun the thing down around my neck they were like "Ah, he'll get out of it you know I know that's what they were thinking you know because he's just you know stupid strong you know he's got like retarded strength you know so it's like they you know they they saw me and I you know, but the thing was is the thing was so tight around my neck that it was literally even though I had all the slack off the rope it was literally like someone had grabbed me around the neck and was choking the life out of me choking me so hard that I could not breathe in you know and I'm I'm, I'm looking at him and I realized you know hey I only have about eight seconds so I jammed the finger into this end of this rope trying to get you know some kind of hole on this rope because I, I I grabbed the knot and tried to pull and it wasn't going anywhere you know so I tried to grab a finger you know get a finger inside the, the 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 rope that's around my neck and try to pull on the knot you know so I can get some kind of leverage on it and I actually ended up scratching my neck from how tight this thing was around my neck I had to forcing another finger in there was just making it squeeze tighter against my neck I actually ended up scratching my neck literally you know with my fingernail, just trying to get a finger in there. And I got one finger in there, and I'm like, okay, let me grab this knot and pull it. And I did that, and it did not move at all. You know, one thing that you don't realize about a a noose is that the, the, the rope comes in and out through the same spiral of knots, you know, through the same spiral. And once it comes down from where it's coming, it goes left and around your neck and then back up through. You know, so literally if you – it's in an L shape. Once it hits your neck, it's in an L shape, and that's what makes the, the rope so effective is that the only way that you can get this rope off is to literally straighten the rope out, which means you have to turn your neck sideways and straighten that rope out to get it to slide through. You know, if it's in an L shape going down through 13 knots and then all of a sudden it makes a quick left, you know what I'm saying, there's no way to get it off of your neck there is no climbing up the rope and then you know I'll get this thing off of me even if you were able to you know have the strength to climb the rope you know to pull the rope up with your hands you would still not be able to get it off your own neck and I didn't realize this I was just like I discovered grab this knot and pull you know didn't work you know so I was just like okay let me stick another finger in there so I stuck another finger in there and i you know I realized I only have seconds left. So I literally closed my eyes gritted my teeth and pulled for all I was worth you know used my ultimate strength and my last you know my last big effort one big shot to get out of this rope now as a kid I'd done stupid stuff like stick my hair my head through like the rails you know of a, of a stairwell you know you know the you know the little rods that come down and you stick your head in there and you get your head stuck you know do stupid stuff like that when you're like two or three years old you know, and I'd rack my ears, you know, pull my head out, something like that. You know, what I'm saying, and it's like I was expecting that same feeling, you know, when you rack your ears, and all of a sudden they just turn beet red and they, you know, they burn. You know, I was expecting that kind of feeling when I got out, and a little, less, you know, kind of it's like when I, when I gritted my teeth and pulled on this thing, I kind of like fell forward, and when I fell forward, I stepped like two steps. And then that was the first thought was is you know hey I got out awesome you know I was like yes you know and I was like all the effort was worth it but wait a minute you know why are my ears burning and then one of the guys looked at me and he goes ah and he's like he he you know makes this motion like ah like ah he's just messing you know I'm just like look at him like you know like I I don't like saying this but I literally I had a few choice words for him. That, you know shouldn't be repeated, and I flipped in the middle finger, you know I was like you know, f you, you know, and you know they just both turned around and went and sat down, and I was like, man that's messed up, you know i i literally, I was like man, that's messed up you know, like went over there and sat beside them, and then one started telling the other one the story corporal um couple page started telling a uh, couple this story about how the last time he went back from combined arms exercise how he um went to meet his girlfriend at the nightclub and he was wearing a tuxedo and a pair of bear shoes and he slid across the dance floor and gave her a dozen roses and i would heard this story before it's like his only story and um you know so i was just sitting there listening and couple legs was like uh-huh uh-huh, uh-huh. And he's like can i have a bite of that you know ho-ho which is you know like a little debbie snack cake he's like give me a bite of that ho-ho and he's like He's like no, and he keeps telling the story and he's eating his ho ho and looking at his fingers, you know, making it seem like it's the best tasting thing in the world. You know, Adam, they're not that great, but uh, he's sitting there eating his ho ho and you know telling his story, and meantime he's teasing him the whole time and the couple of layoffs, you know, just placating him and you know basically being facetious and he's sitting there like yeah 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 whatever, you know. You know, can I have a bite of the ho ho now? You know, yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever. Can I have a bite of ho ho now? Yeah, and just kept bugging him and bugging him bugging him. And finally, at the, when he gets to the end of this story, he finally was like, "Okay, here, have one." And he takes open this. He grabs underneath his rack because the racks were side by side. You know, the corporal slept in one section, the sergeant slept in one section, and then you know everybody else who you know didn't have any rank basically slept by the door where you freeze. You know, especially during the nighttime. Um, but uh, he basically reaches underneath his uh, his little cot, his little green folding cot, and he pulls out this brown paper bag, unrolls the top of it, and then inside of it is a plastic APHES bag. And anybody who knows what uh, – who's ever been in the military, you know, knows what the APHES bag is. You know, it's the uh, – the the Apes store is the basically the the own ba- it's like a little mini mart, it, it, I guess you could say, you know where you go and pick up whatever you wanted, you know whatever you needed razors and soap and shampoo and food and whatever else you needed. It's like a little mini mart, kind of like a Seven Eleven, you know. But he has this plastic Apes bag full of just like, you know, I little like leaned forward looked inside the bag and he has like three or four Gatorades and he has all kinds of Hostess Twinkies. Debbie snack cakes, I mean just all different kinds just, you know, littering the bottom of the bag. And I'm like looking down there and like, man. And he's like he's like it's like, dude, speaking of that, you still have my ten bucks. And he's like, Yeah, dude, here you go. And he has him ten bucks back and I'm like looking at him like, Man, that is messed up. You know? And then you know, while he's telling this story, like I said, it takes about five you know, Corporal Laycock. I mean a couple page about five minutes to tell the story. And three times during while well, he's telling this story and the other one's trying to agitate him and give him you know a bite of his snack cake, he leans to the left or excuse me, his right, my left. He leans to his right, he looks me right in the face, and then, you know, sits back up and starts talking again. Then he leans back over about two minutes into his story and he looks me right in the face again, then leans back up and starts talking again. Then after about five minutes, he leans to the left as he's finishing up the story, and goes, "Fine, I'm like here, have one," you know. And he, he takes one out of the bag and he tosses it to him. And he's like, "Thanks, man. It's about time," you know, because he literally like ate the last bite. And he's like, "Dude, I can't believe you didn't give me." He's like, "Here, have one," you know. And he tosses him one, you know, tosses him an entire package. And then he leans over, looks at me right in the face, and he goes, "I don't think he's playing." And I'm like, "What the heck is he talking about? Who is he?" You know, because we're the only three in the room. You know, why is he? You know, I kept like, wow, why is he leaning over and looking me in the face? You know, I'm saying basically he was trying to look around the side of uh, Corporal Laycock because Corporal Laycock was blocking his view of my body hanging behind me, and me sitting beside them. I was literally in the spirit, I look like a ghost. They couldn't see me, they couldn't hear me, and I was sitting right beside them. So when he said, "Hey, you know, I think he's playing." He was looking at me in the face, but he could. I realized later that he couldn't see me. You know, he was looking through me and at my body hanging in the news So I was just like, "What the heck's he talking about?" We're the only three in the room. I turned around, and myself and Corporal I turn around at the same time. And I look, and there's my body hanging from the news and that was the first time I saw my body because, like, well, like I said, when I had come out of my body, I fell forward. I didn't think to turn around and look to see if I there was a dead body behind me, much less my own body. You know. <laughs> It's like I fell forward, and then everybody who was in the room was in front of me. So why would I even turn around? You know, there's no reason to turn around. Everybody who's in the room is right in front of me, you know? So I was like, nah, I went over and sat beside him, and, like, this whole thing transpired. And then all of a sudden, he's like, hey, well, he's playing. And I, like, turn around. And then my body hanging from the noose, and I'm like, whoa, that's me, you know? And I literally, I was shocked. I still have to turned around. And there's my body, like, 30 feet away hanging from the noose, you know? And I was like... And I was like, oh, I am just looking at myself. And I don't even know what to say. I'm just like, oh geez, that, that's that's me,
0: you know. And I like,
1: I like literally kind of like take a few steps, and I kind of like come out from between the racks and like take, you know, walk like ten feet, just to confirm that it's my eyesight's not that great, you know. And I uh, take another ten steps closer to the body, and yeah, there's my body hanging from the mist. I'm like, you know, I'm just like, holy cow, you know, this is <laughs> this is horrible, you know. And then Corporal Laycock comes, and he stands beside me. He's still got the, 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 the camera in his hand. He never took the picture. And then he kneels down right beside me. Oh, like I said, he couldn't even see me. He was literally, like, right to my left. He comes and, leans and kneels down right beside me and goes, now that's a good picture. And then he takes the picture of my body hanging from the noose. And I'm just looking at him like, dude, are you freaking mental? Are you stupid? You know what, what what are you thinking? You know, and that's what I was thinking is what couple Page came up and said to him. He literally looks at him and the thoughts that I was thinking came out of his mouth. He's like, dude, are you retarded? Look at him. He goes, he he said, look at him. He's dead. That's just a body hanging there. He's like, his eyelids are blue, his lips are blue, his ears are blue. He has drool hanging out of his mouth all the way to the ground. Can't you see? And he goes. What are you talking about? He stands up. and He's still like I said, like twenty feet away from the body. He takes, you know, a couple. He takes another couple more steps, like three or four steps, and he's another ten feet closer. And he goes, "Oh my God!" And he like, throws the, he throws the camera over towards his right. He didn't even look where he was throwing it. He just chucks it, you know. And he runs over there and he grabs my body around the the waist and he picks up. Now remember, I said this. Like <laughs> I said at that time, I was like two hundred ten pounds and just strapped, you know. Big six foot one guy, and he's trying to, he's like a 125 pounds trying to pick up this 200 pound guy, and his, his veins are bulging out of his head, you know? And he like, literally, like, like flops my body over the side, and he goes, Stupid, get over here and get him out of the noose. Well, he didn't say stupid. He said, He said a few curse words. Well, like I said, I'm not going to repeat, but he, he said, bub, 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 bieb, beep, 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 beep. You know, the, the, you get what the beep is. You know, get over here and get this noose off his neck. And I'm thinking to myself, this should be backwards. This strong guy should be picking up my body, while the weak guy should be getting the noose off my neck. You know, and that's just my thought. You know, while I was sitting there looking at this, and the weird thing about it was, the only way that it could have happened to where they would have got me out of the noose is the way that it did happen. He had to be picking up on my body, you know, to let there be some slack in the thing. And if I couldn't get the, the rope off, then I know for sure that Pope Laycock couldn't have gotten the rope off. He was only 125 pounds, you know, skinny. Skinny as a, as a piggy finger, you know. And Pope Laycock, I mean, Popo Page runs over there, and he does the same thing I does. He literally, you know, shoves a finger in there, you know, one finger, and he thinks with one finger he can get it loose. Same thing I thought, you know. And it, it didn't work for him, you know. He struggles and he's like, "Dude, put two fingers in there. You need more leverage." And so he shoves another finger in there. I'm just thinking to myself, "Well, I'm glad I'm just standing here because if that was me alive, I'd be hurting. You know, I'd be one hurting puppy, you know." And while they're sitting there struggling with, with my body and trying to get this off, I thought to myself, "You know what? I'm going to try to step into my body and uh, stand up." <laughs> when I did that. I literally tried that. I, I literally walked forward and tried to step into my body, and it was uh, the the most I've never gotten the idea of vertigo. You know, where people who have a fear of heights goes up, you know, and they they climb up real high, and all of a sudden everything's spinning. That's what it was like, only multiplied times a hundred. It literally felt like someone had slugged me in the side of my head, because when I tried to step into my body, it was just like come it was like a battery just running out of energy going from a hundred percent down to zero just woo you know and I literally I, I kind of fell backwards you know stumbling backwards out of my body and it felt like somebody just gave me a kidney shot you know like bow hit you from behind and right in the kidney I mean just like boo and I was like oh my goodness I'm literally bent over holding my knees going oh my god what was that you know and I'm just like that was not good you know, and it was at that point that I became concerned. I wasn't even concerned before. I was freaked out, but not concerned, you know. So I was like, I was like, I was like, I started trying to think, think to myself. I'm like, think, 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 okay, maybe that weird thing just happened because uh, they were moving my body around and I couldn't get in, you know. And I was like, okay, okay, now just wait until they, you know, get you out, you know, and wait until they lay you down, wait till you're still, and then try it. You know, and then Copa Laycock, like I said, got a – I mean, Gold Page got another two fingers in that noose, and he pulled all he was worth, and he was able to get it to budge about half an inch. For all his strength, it only moved half an inch, but that was enough for him to get all four fingers in there. And then he pulled it, and it moved like three inches. He pulled it again, and after that third pull, he was just done. He was – I mean, he was just rent. I mean, he had no strength left in his arms. You could tell he was like jelly-armed from just trying to pull on that thing three times. You know, but he literally wasted all his strength, all his effort, just to get my head out from underneath that. You know, my head out of that noose. But he did it. He was able to do it, and he got my head out of that noose. And they dragged my body over, and they threw it onto the rack. They threw it onto my cot. I'm just sitting there, you know, watching them, waiting for them to, you know, walk along with them while they're dragging my body. And they throw my body on the cot. And then Purple Page is walking around going, oh, my God, dude. Oh, my God. What are we going to do, dude? We have to do something. We, no, we have to tell somebody. Uh, we have to do something. And Corporal Laycott's just sitting there, and he looks like the – he's standing up, and he looks like the thinker. You know what I'm saying? You see the statue of the thinker where the guy's sitting there with this, you know, hand on his chin or, you know, maybe – you know, he's sitting there looking at it, and he's going uh, – he's he's like shut up I'm thinking you know you're breaking my concentration and you could tell his mind was just basically smoke pouring out of his ear he was like he was thinking to himself probably thinking like 50 thoughts a second you know like what can we tell them you know what can we do to to make this look legit you know you know how do how do we handle this you know because they realize they're in deep kimchi you know and he goes man and you know he's just sitting there and he's like dude we gotta do something he's just like shut up i'm thinking and i'm like thinking to myself okay well now's my perfect opportunity my body's not moving i'm going to lay down into my body and just pop right back up and be like dude don't worry that's it. all cool you know i'm alive but you know so i literally sat down into my body put my foot inside of my foot you know like i said you know, it sounds weird put my foot inside my foot my father and i sat down to the rack and i saw how my body was laying how my hands were positioned And I tried to position them like like my body was laying, and then I laid back into my body, and instantaneously, when I laid back into my body, I was standing up in this empty void. I mean, just that fast, fast as you can blink an eye, fast as you can snap a finger. I was standing back up, and I was like, what the heck? Where am I? And that was the first thought that went to my head was like, where am I? You know, and I look out, and it's just nothing, but. Empty blackness. And I was, I, the next thought that came to my head was, after where am I? And I, there was not going to be an answer for that. I just kind of like, and I realized there's nothing. There's, there's just there's literally nothing in front of me. How is that? This this can't be possible. You know, I'm just like, wait a minute. I'm standing on something, and I down at my feet, and I could see beneath my feet. And I was literally standing on nothing. And when I say I'm, I'm standing on something, but I can't see what I'm standing on. It was like the floor is invisible. And I'm like, wait a minute. How if if this place is an empty black void? How am I able to even see my feet? If I was in a like a a darkened room, I wouldn't be able to see my hand in front of my face. How am I able to see my feet? Where's this light coming from? So, where do you look for when there's light? it's always above you even if you're in your house the light is above you if you're outside the light is above you the sun the moon the stars so i look up and i look up and there's nothing up there you know i look up and it's just empty black void above me look down empty black void beneath me look out in front of me empty black void i turn around nothing around me but empty black void and i'm like you know what 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 is you know i'm just like i'm just Completely confused, you know, and I'm looking down, and I, I, I you know, I, I even stomped to see like how strong this thing is that I'm standing on, and it was just like standing on concrete, you know. Only you couldn't see it, you know. So I look out, and I'm like, "Man, I don't understand this." I'm like, I'm looking out, and I don't see anything. So I'm like, "Well, wait a minute," and this is when I start rationalizing with myself. i say, "Okay, there's a floor." I can't see it but there is a floor and I'm like maybe if there's a floor maybe there's a ceiling I just can't see it so I'm like I literally thought you know what I'm just gonna reach my hand up and see if I can touch something above me you know so I literally went to reach my hand up and I literally got my hand about six inches above my head and I don't know how to explain this but it was just like my consciousness or my soul expanded. I don't know how you you could say it and make sense of it, but I literally without having to touch the ceiling, knew that it was there without beyond a shadow of a doubt. You know, it's like even if the ceiling is ten feet above you, you can look up there with your eyes and see it. You know without a shadow of a doubt there's a ceiling ten feet above your head. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to touch it to know it's real. But without physically touching it, I touched it. And it was just, like, the freakiest thing in the world. So I, like, kind of, like, I was like, whoa. And I, like, jerked my hand back down, you know. I was like, what the heck was that? You know, and I'm just like, there's the ceiling up there. It's literally 14 feet up, you know. And I know exactly how tall it is. You know, the ceiling from floor to ceiling was exactly 14 feet, 0 inches Zero centimeters, zero millimeters, zero micrometers. No, just nothing. Just exactly fourteen feet. And I was like, whoa. You know, it was just kinda like weird. You know, I was like, okay. And then the next thought my in my head was, When there's a floor and there's a ceiling. Ceilings don't hold themselves up. Walls hold ceilings up. And if there's a wall, there's a window, there's a door, there's a way out. And that was my thought process and i was like you know what i'm going to go that direction because any direction in the middle of nowhere is as good as any you know you stand out in the middle of the desert any direction is as good as any you know if you're just looking out you see nothing but flat flatness just go you know and i'm like i'm gonna go that way you know and find me find me a way out of this place so i just started i went to take a step forward and as i'm taking a step forward once again this thing happened it was just like taking a rubber band and you don't get it like if you a rope doesn't stretch but a rubber band does you know if you like cut a foot-long rope and a foot-long rubber band and put them side by side one will stretch while the other one doesn't you know and it was just it was just like that my soul my consciousness just stretched out in the direction that I was wanting to go and it literally like one football field two football fields three football fields you know and just stretched out that fast. Just bones you know it's kind of like I just went but my back foot never left from where it was just like my front foot and my whole forward body just like stretched and and then I realized that it didn't matter how far I, I was going all of a sudden that the understanding hit me that you're standing in between two parallel planes there are no walls. There's no doors. There's no windows. There's just two parallel pain planes that stretch on for infinity. You know? And there is no getting out of this place. And so I brought my foot back and I stepped it down. And I set it down. It was just like snapping back. It was like, when I let go of a rubber band just snap. You know, that's what. I didn't have the feeling of that, but that's what it was like in my own mind. You know, I just put my foot down and I was like, oh, man, I am so screwed. And I just. I just stood there and I kind of just, you know, my, I, I just had this sinking feeling like, oh man, there is no way out. And then the next thing I know, I'm snatched up off my feet, and there's this racking pain coming from my left shoulder, and my body is literally almost parallel to the floor, and my legs are just kicking, almost like there's this huge amount of electricity running through me, you know. And then I realized I had just gotten picked up and something had a hold of me and it was crushing me it was crushing my left shoulder you know so I'm like what the heck is holding me and I look down towards my left you know towards my left shoulder and I see these huge fingers coming down below my chest and these fingers they were huge I mean they were like two or three inches in diameter I mean just huge and they were red and black and I'm just looking at them like I'm like oh my what the heck is this you know and this pain just pain just shooting from the top of my head to the bottom of my foot You know, and I'm like, look back over to my, over my right shoulder to see what has a hold of me, because I can't even hardly look left because the, the, the width of its hand or the depth of its hand is about four inches. It's like, it was like having a post, a four, a four by four post sitting on your neck, and you can't turn left because the post is right there. You know, so I look back over my right shoulder, and this thing knew my thoughts. It could hear my thoughts, and I understood this in retrospect. It knew that I was going to look at it. So it had picked me up and I look back over to my right shoulder and there's this huge face just staring at me and just smiling just grinning like yeah I got you and there's nothing you can do about it and it was a huge red and black 13 feet tall demon and it was wrapped up like Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime, or like brigno in his prime, you know, when back when he was doing the, you know, Incredible Hulk series, you know, raw, just huge, but 13 feet tall, you know. And I looked at him and I was just like, it was, its face was like human, but not, you know, it had no hair on its body whatsoever. It had these tusks coming out where we had our canine teeth, it had tusks coming out of its mouth. Its nose was really flat and wide, almost as wide as its mouth. But other than that, it was human. You know, it had two eyes, one nose, one mouth, two ears. You know, it just didn't have any hair. You know, oh, and its eyes. Its eyes were our eyes are white. Its eyes were yellow. And where we have an iris, like a round iris, you know, not the pupil that's black that dilates, you know, but the iris, the the color portion of the eye that's either green or you know brown or. Or blue, or whatever color your eyes are, or you know, that's the color that she, you know, the iris. Its iris was gold, and it was diamond shaped, like a cat's or like a snake's, you know. And it looked at me like, "Yeah, I got you," and there's nothing you can do about it. And and it was just so ugly and disfiguring to me that I was just like, I look, I just like looked away, and I'm like, oh man, I'm just. <laughs> I'm screwed I'm hopeless and then when I thought that literally I felt hope pour out of my body like water out of a cup and it just, I literally, literally felt it from the inside starting from my head literally pour down past my eyes past my ears past my throat past my arms you know past my waist and right out my feet just hope just literally like a feeling like water just left me and, you know and I thought to myself where am I going where's it taking me and then the answer did come to me the same way the answer came to me of like is there a ceiling up there yes it's 14 feet that same way is almost like remembering but not because you never knew it in the first place you know but the same the, – the, the answer came to me as almost as if I had remembered of God placing the answer in my head, and the answer was, yes, it's taking you to the hell, the hell that you were taught as a Baptist about fire and brimstone. You weren't taught about this part, but you were taught about that part. You were taught about the fire and brimstone, and that's where it's taking you. It's taking you into that lake of fire to throw your stoop backside in it. And I was just like, oh, you know, I was like – you know, I was, I was just like mortified. Just. just Paralyzed and mortified, I was like, "What what have I done? That was <laughs> what have I done That was so wrong. <laughs> you know, like, what have I done? I've, I've never killed anybody. I've never like raped any women or molested any children. Why, why am I here? Be like, this this is not right." It's not right. And when I thought that, this tiny little light appeared, and it looked like a little star off into the night sky in this black empty void. And I thought to myself, "Well, whatever it is, it can't help me. It's just too small and too far away." And then I saw it move to the right, and I was like, "What? What is that?" And as I focused in on it, it came rushing at me, and this hand reached out to me. And all I saw was the hand coming out of this bright light, and I reached up, and my hand knew what to do before I did. It was really like a reflex. My arm just shot up without, you know, a thought process, you know, like you do when a ball is tossed at your head. You just reach and catch it. It's an instinctive reflex to save your life, you know, to save you from getting a black eye, you know, when a baseball is tossed at your head. It's just a reflex. And my arm shot up and grabbed his hand, and then immediately we're all standing back up. And when we're standing back up this thing still has me by the shoulder and it is angry and I mean just wrathfully mad dog you know just filled with fury you know just mad you know and it was old and I there was something in me just saying don't move don't move If you move this thing's gonna rip your shoulder and your arm off and just beat you to death with it you know and you don't want that just don't move you know there's something in me saying don't move don't move don't move so i literally just stood there as perfectly still as i could like a statue and i'm looking at the face of this angel you know that's standing in front of me and this thing like i said heavy by the shoulder and it had whipped its head around you know its body around to see what had stopped it and why because basically this thing owned me like a pet, like a dog, like a parakeet, like a stick of furniture, you know, and it wanted to know why it was stopped, because I was there purposefully, you know, and it owned me. I was its pet. You know? And it whipped around and before it could even say a word, I think a thought, you know, other than what it was already thinking. It whipped around, and this angel just, the same way that I stretched out, it stretched out. It just moved so fast, like a bolt of lightning, and he just reached his arm up to about his head height. Now, this angel was 9 feet 6 inches tall, roughly. Roughly about 9 feet tall, like Goliath. And he hit this thing open handed, open palmed, in the solar plexus. So this thing's sternum, this this 13 foot tall beast sternum was at its head height. You know, if these literally two stood side by side, the angel that saved me would have been roughly at the thing's sternum, and that's how. And it wasn't built like you know like muscle bound, you know weightlifter. You know, I've been lifting weights for 20 years. You know, kind of thing. No, it was more like fitness aerobic, you know, aerobic fitness instructor. You know, he was strong, and you could tell that he was a male just by his basic outline of his body. But um, basically, he, you know, he just rushes forward, hits the thing in the solar plexus, and he hit it so fast and so hard that its hand was literally just whipped off my shoulder. You know, before it could even like grip or you know grab down or you know just like I <laughs> luckily for me that instinctiveness to stay still you know saved me from going with it because if i had moved it would have tightened its grip and when this angel hit it it would have taken me flying with him but because he wasn't so concerned with me moving because i wasn't moving he had a loose grip on me and when this angel hit him in the solar plexus you know right in the stem he literally just his hand was ripped off my shoulder and he folded in half and started flying backwards, bouncing off this ground that you can't see. This is like a stone over water. And I'm watching it fly backwards. And then this angel calls me by this long name. Now I know it's a it's a heavenly name, and I cannot remember. As soon as he said this name, it was like standing in a crowded room and someone going, "Hey, Sean." And then you look over. Or, hey, Todd, and then you look over, and they're talking to some other Todd, but they had said your name, so you looked anyway. It was like that. He sent me He said me about this name that I recognized as mine, but that I've never heard before. And then as soon as I heard it and I looked at him, he took that name back out of my head the same way it went in my ears. It went right back out. He did not allow me to remember the name that he had called me, you know, because technically I hadn't earned it. You don't you don't earn heavenly things by living the life that I lived and the whole reason I ended up there in the first place, you know, fornication and alcohol and messing around and sleeping around and you know, just not living a Christian life. That's how you end up in this place that I ended up. You know? But it was like, Hey, you had this at one time and you lost it. So now you're not not allowed to remember it. But as soon as you said this name, I looked at him like, that's me. You know, and then the name was gone. I'm like, what's me? What did he just say? You know, and then he looks at me and his voice, this, 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 well, to describe the angel for you. The angel was nine feet tall. He had wavy brown hair pushed to the back. He had olive colored skin and his eyes were blue, blue like a sky blue, like an ocean blue, you know, and then he looks at me and he goes, he starts speaking. As he's speaking, it's like a. Like a rushing sound of like a like a river, like a water, like a waterfall, like a stadium full of people, just like. (sighs) But he's speaking. It's like a thousand voices saying the same thing, all at the same time, in the same tone. But you you can tell it's like a thousand people, you know. And he goes, you know, and I don't remember the name, so I'll just say my earthly name. He's like Sean, and I just looked at him and I was like, whoa, that's me. Who's me, you know. What did he just say? And he looks at me and he goes, he says, uh, my name is Michael. He didn't have to say, my name is the archangel Michael. You know, he didn't have to introduce him as who he was. He just said, my name is Michael. And I immediately understood who he was. You know? It's like if you had met Moses and he said, I'm Moses, you wouldn't Like, oh, you're the prophet Moses? You're the guy that part of the Reds? You wouldn't have to ask, are you that one? You would know. You know? And when he looked at me. You know, I'm just looking at him, and he's like, he's like dressing this Roman-style tunic that came, you know, the, the sleeves came just below, below the elbows, and the, 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 the length of it was just right below the knees, you know, and it had like gold embroidery and a V-shape around his neck, you know, and he's just standing there just strong, just masculine, but at the same time, his face was Beautiful, and I don't mean. It. Normally, <laughs> I know that sounds weird about you know a dude saying this about another dude, you know, even if it's an angel, you know. But his face looked like the mix. It was androgynous. It was the it was, it was the perfect mix of the most handsome man you've ever seen on GQ cover. And the most beautiful woman you've ever seen on a Vogue cover, (laughs) you know. If you blended those two faces together without it being like it's pat, you know, or uh, is that a man or a woman, you know? No, no, no. You could tell that it was a man, but it it had this beauty to it that was feminine. And when you looked at him, you just like, wow, he's big and strong, but he's beautiful, you know. Which uh, is an odd thing to say, I know it is. And he just looks at me and he goes, "My name is Michael." And he begins to talk to me but I don't want to call it a spidey sense okay like a spider-man type thing this my spidey sense was tingling, but it was almost like that in my head an image had popped up and it was in the shape of a circle and I literally saw it playing like a movie in between my eyes but in the center of my head I don't understand how I can explain it but it wasn't my physical eyes and some of my physical eyes was angel but in my head with what I guess they call it the third eye or whatever, was this little movie playing of this thing having gotten back up, this beast, this demon, this 13-foot-tall demon. And it was running back after me, and it was getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm, I'm seeing this image play in my head, and it's overruling everything that this angel's saying to me. So I'm not listening to a single thing that he's saying. The only thing I'm, I'm doing is watching this beast bigger and bigger and bigger, and I kind of like turn around you know, and to see if what's playing in my head, this image that's playing in my head is self-preservation thing, you know, you know, this warning sign. to see If it was real, and pretty, you know, pretty soon my physical eyes were looking at this little image, and I didn't need to see this image playing in my head anymore. I could see it in front of me, you know. So I literally like turned around, and there is this thing coming back after me. It was getting bigger and bigger and bigger, just like I saw in my head, just like this image, this little round image, like a like a little TV set. know playing in my head and I look back at this angel and I was just thinking to myself, Oh dude, whatever you gotta say, just please say it fast and get it over with. Because this thing is coming back after me. You know? And this angel was just looking down at me and he goes And the last words that came out of his mouth I fully understood him. He said, he looked at me and he goes, goes, Your time has not yet come it's time for you to go and he pointed his finger in a direction and whatever direction he pointed in that's the direction I stepped and as soon as I took that first step in that direction I was back in my body and I opened my eyes and there they are you know the two corporals walking around one freaking out going oh my god oh my god what gonna do we got to tell somebody but the other one going shut up I can't think you know I need to think shut up you know, and I open my eyes, and the, one, the other one points down at me, and he goes, dude, look, he's alive. And I was like, what? And he comes over, and he stands over the top of my body. Now, remember, I had been dead for eight minutes by this time. Um, so I was just like, I'm looking at him, and I'm like, okay, uh, I can't move. You know, because my eyes were open and my heart was beating, but there had been no circulation in my body whatsoever. It's just like sitting in class, and you don't even realize your legs falling asleep because you just cut off some vein, you know, some artery. You know, and then you don't realize it until you stand up that your legs asleep, and you're like, whoa, you know, and you had to get your leg filled, you know, you had to get the circulation going back in your leg, and you can't even move it. Well, my whole body was asleep, just like that. So, uh, literally, I was like. I was like, oh, man, I'm not living my life paralyzed. I got to get myself moving, you know? So I started, you know, forcing my fingers to move, and then eventually my arm, I got my arms moving on both hands, my fingers moving on both hands, and then it was just like pin pricks of fire, you know? I felt from my fingertips going up towards my shoulders, and I was like, I know what that feeling is. It hurts like a son of a gun, but, man, that's that's a good thing, you know? you know because the feeling was coming back into my arms and it spread across my chest and up my face and top of my head and down towards my waist and then it stopped at my waist i'm like oh man my legs aren't you know coming back awake and i was just like i was just still laying there and i was weak and i was just trying to move around you know and i finally after th- two failed attempts got myself to a sitting position on the third try and i was like okay i gotta get my legs moving if i don't get my legs moving i'm gonna be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life you know, I was like, "This is not going to happen." So I literally like tried to stand up, well, with two legs that are asleep. You can't stand up. You gotta have at least one good leg to stand on. You know, so when I tried to stand up, I just went face plant, boof, right into the dust. You know, right into the sand. You know, and then I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna try to move my leg." And I tried to move my leg just like an inch, and it flailed, like kicking the like a field goal. It literally flailed, and I literally kicked one of them hard. I mean, really hard. And I was like. Boom! You know, and just kicked him. You know, and of course, not on purpose, but it's kind of fitting. But uh, not on purpose, but I kicked him, you know, and then he's like, dude, you know, and I kicked this big swath of dust in, you know, the tiny little the A-frame. And they're just like, oh! <coughs> and then they kind of like went off to the side and they're like, dude, give me some room. Just let him, let him be. You know, and I was sitting there kicking my feet, trying to get the feeling to come back into them. And finally, the feeling did, and it was just like all at once, everywhere. It didn't run from one end to the other; just like all at once, my whole leg just caught on fire. You know, I got the circulation going in my legs again, and I'm like, okay, good. You know, I was like learning to walk all over again, like I was a little baby. I had to like roll over into my stomach and pull my legs up, you know, underneath me. And then it took me a couple of minutes to get to a standing position. I'm walking around like an old man, just taking like three-inch steps. You know, like oh, like bent over. Like almost as if I'm walking with a cane. And I walk around for 20 minutes like that until the strength comes back in my body because my body is just wasted. It's tired. It's worn out. You know, and I finally got myself to a standing position. And then the couple of laycock comes over there and he's like, I'm a corporal of the United States. But he's pointing me in the face. He's like, I'm a corporal of the United States Marine Corps. And you're gonna obey me. You're gonna answer me when I talk to you. Now who am I? You know, because he had been doing that before when he was standing over the top of my body, and it's like, dude, he can't he's he can't move. You know. I couldn't speak. You know? And the reason why that is is because this is something that no one, except for someone who's been hung by the neck, will be able to tell you. Or maybe someone who's seen someone get hung by the neck but your tongue swells up in your mouth and fills up the entire surface cavity of your mouth your tongue swells up that large until there's no room in your mouth whatsoever when you're hung by the neck that's what happens to your tongue it just literally engorges itself until it's literally the size of your mouth it completely fills up your mouth I know that sounds disgusting, but that's what happened. And after that 20 minutes had passed by, he comes over into my face. He's like, You're going to tell me who I am. And I just look him into the face, you know, because he's trying to give me sobriety questions to find out if I'm, like, all right in the head, you know. And he's like, He's pointing his face and he's going, like, oh, Tell me who I am. And I'm, I'm like, And I finally tell him, I'm like, and But my tongue was so swollen by my mouth that I opened my mouth and I pointed towards my tongue. So that he could see how swollen up it was because it had only gone down about halfway, you know, for that 20 minutes, I was walking around with this, my tongue engorged in my mouth and I couldn't even say anything, you know, but by that 20 after 20 minutes, it had gone down half size. And it was like, I had just come out of the dentist's office. That's what it sounded like when I was talking, I was like, "Look, couple Clark, here's corporate page. this is tax three X4 less 94 and get my face, you know? You can barely even understand what I was saying, but I was basically saying, you're a couple laycock, you're a couple page, this is tax 3-4-94, tax, dash dash now get out of my face, you know? And he's like, dude, okay, because I was angry, you know, at that point. You know, you're you going to kill me and then, like, get in my face and start yelling at me like all of a sudden you're Mr. Responsibility after having played a prank on me that got me killed? You know, get out of my face. You know, that's just rotten attitude, you know? And even though I was a lower rank than them, that's exactly how I responded. If he had pressed it, I would have picked him up and bumped him, you know. But it was just like, get out of my face, dude. You know, and then later on, I, like the next night, he asked me what happened when I was dead. And I told him, he's just like completely complete atheist. He, he's like, dude, whatever, dude. You're just some kind of religious nut. I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God, blah, 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 blah. And that was his reaction to it, you know. and. You know, it's like I don't know what to say. It's like being in a car wreck. If you've ever been in a car wreck, it just happens to you. It's not something that you ask for. It's not something you wish for. You know, you don't ask. You don't ask to be, you know, flopped around into a car and smash against the, you know, the windshield. You know, and live through it. And people go like, "Dude, you actually lived through that? Look at how smashed up the car was. You're not even have a scratch on you. How does that happen? I don't believe you." You know, and I'm just like, it wasn't me. You know, I didn't ask for this. It just happened to me. You know, but that's 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 basically my testimony and I I've, I've learned a few things out of it and it's a, one that I've seen hell with my own eyes at least the doorstep to it if that's what you want to call it, you know. But hell is real. Angels are real. Demons are real. And and Sean, you you basically grew up in the church, right? I grew up as a Baptist I was taught about hell being fire and brimstone I wasn't taught about this you know this dark empty portion although it's in there
0: right right but I mean you know one thing that I have seen you know now now that I I'm in the church go to church and stuff like that and and, I mean even a lot of people in the church don't believe there's a hell and uh, and and they still think that every weekend it's okay to go out and party all weekend long and then, you know, come Sunday and we go to church. And, you know, so they're, they're basically living their life the way you were living yours at the time this
1: happened. Well, bro, I'm going to be honest with you. For those people, it crushes my heart because I can't. If I tell this story, they're going to think I'm crazy. And if I, you know, if I don't, then God's going to ask me one day, why didn't you say something you knew? You know, somebody would have believed you. You know, even if it's only one of a thousand, but for these people, my my heart is crushed because I can't make them believe what happened to me. I can't make them see with my eyes, you know, and no matter how many times I tell the story the same way, it just doesn't, You know, most people just don't believe. And because they don't believe, they are one day going to see it with their own eyes. But by that time, it's too late. They may not have the opportunity that I had to come back. You know, I just, uh, it was luck, destiny, part of God's plan. I don't know. All I know is I got the chance to come back. It just wasn't my ultimate time, which tells me, you know, your time. When he said your time did not come yet, when the angel said that to me, later on in retrospect and thinking about this I realized if there's a time for us to be born then there's a time for us to die it's already written out we just live in our lives you know and just blind walking but it's gonna happen to us one day and I just I just wished that everyone knew for certain like I know and even though I know for certain it doesn't mean that I'm like some kind of a prophet or preacher. I, I'm not even a deacon in my church. I'm just a singer. I sing, you know. It's something I do well. But I'm not. The, I'm not even the straightest walking Christian. I'm just, you know. I'm, I definitely know that I can't live my life like I did before. So I cut out all the things that I know for certain were bad, like smoking and drinking and cussing and all this other stuff, you know that you know are bad deep inside you, but you just kind of just blow it off. You know, I kind of stick it off the side. So what if I say a few, you know, hells or dams or, you know, stuff like that, you know? Of course, I'm using smaller words, but, you know, that are are in the Bible, hells in the Bible, dams in the Bible. But you know what I'm... There there are bigger words that everybody uses almost on a daily basis, but I don't use those. You know, I don't use those anymore because it's like, how am I supposed to, as a Christian say these long curse words and then bless god with the with the same voice you know what I'm saying it, just, it doesn't it's just super hypocritical you know it's like i have to try to live the straightest that i can live and walk the straightest that i can walk so that maybe my living testimony i guess you could say my life can be a testimony to other people you know yes yes i do You know, because because it's like I tell people, yeah, I go to church. They don't realize I go about four or five times a week. You know, they don't realize that I've read the Bible from beginning to end and most Christians haven't even done that. You sit there and say you're a Christian but you haven't read the Bible from beginning to end. The only book of salvation that's like love letters to you and you haven't read it all the way through. You know what I'm saying? It's almost shameful. And I was forty three before I finally read the Bible from beginning to end. You know, so it's like I, I just realized that there's there's things in your life that you have to do as a Christian to be counted as a Christian. You, just saying you're a Christian is not enough. That's going to end you up in hell. You can sit there and say, "But I'm a Christian. How did I end up in hell?" Well, it's because you didn't live the life of a Christian. You didn't walk the walk of a Christian. You didn't talk the talk of a Christian. You you were like I was, one foot in, one foot out, knowing the difference, but not living it. You know, and it's like Jesus said in in Revelation three twenty. I wish that you were hot or cold, you know, because on a hot day, man, a cold glass of iced tea goes a long ways. Cold glass of water goes a long ways. On a hot day, hot cup of cocoa, hot cup of coffee. On a cold day, that's fantastic. But every time you've ever drank water that's warm, you're just like you spit it out. You're like ah, oh. you know, even though it's water, it's the same water when it's you know flavored or hot or cold, but that's warm, you just spit it out, like blah. Well, well what's wrong with it? You know? Right. The fact that it's not hot or cold. You know, and if your life is like that, if you're not hot or cold, I mean, God will wish you, you were all the way against Him, and at least He could count you as an enemy. But because you're not all the way for Him, He can't count you as a friend. You know what I'm saying? So it's like. If people would look at it from that viewpoint, from that perspective, how is God supposed to view me as a friend if I don't follow him? If I don't do what he says, how can I count myself as a servant? You know, because that's the words that he's going to say to his servants. Well done, my good and faithful servant. But how can you, you know, sit there and live your life, never serve, just go to church on Sunday for a couple hours, sit there, watch your stuff, and then go live your life however you want it you know, and sit there and say by going to church and sitting there on the Sunday pew that I'm a Christian. You know, you can't. You've never served. You never did anything. You never worked. You know, and it's like if you never worked, how are you supposed to expect to get a paycheck? That's like going to your, you know, your work, clocking in, then going home, then eight hours later, getting off your backside and going and clocking out, and then expecting to be paid for it.
0: Well, one of the biggest things I see is, a lot of people who you know that I talk to, they say they're Christians, but they have no relationship at all with God.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. my relationship with God, even though I go to church, you know, five days a week, I would say is spotty. And now the reason why I say that is because it's not because I'm not fornicating or anything like that, or cheating my wife, or you know, anything like that, but. It's like at the same time I had these moments of doubt I have these moments of frustration I had these moments where like God what's your plan you know what I'm saying what's what's my direction what am I supposed to do you know and it's just like I wish I had more interaction with him I wish she would just come down face to face and speak to me like you did with Moses and be like dude you're supposed to do this cool at least I would know my direction you know but it's like my relationship with this even Spotty, I, I realize that I'm not worthy to stand in his presence. You know, but at, at, at the same time, I wish he would just give me some kind of direction, you know. Because I, I know that you guys support ministries. I don't have a ministry. You know what I'm saying? I don't have – I'm not a deacon. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a minister. Although I have done all these things before. I have ministered. I've prayed for people. I've People have been healed after I prayed for them, believe it or not. People think that that kind of stuff is for the – you know, for the long gone past, but now oh, it's real. I've literally prayed people out of comas. I've literally seen bones structure themselves back together so that, the, that there's not even a fracture in them. The, the, the doctor looks at him and goes, your arm's not broke. It was before. Here's the photo before. Here's the photo after. There's not even a hairline fracture in there anymore. Let me take out this cast. I've, I've seen that, you know. And I know that it's not me. I'm not saying, like, I heal people. I don't heal nothing. I just pray for people, and God does the work. You know what I'm saying? And I'm a heck of a singer. You know, but at the same time, it's just like when I'm not doing these things, I feel lost. When I'm doing these things, I have direction. But it's not like I can go around and pray for people all the time. You know, I have to work. And I have to a living. I have to feed my family keep a roof above my head and, you know, do the normal things that people do. You know even Paul was a tent maker right you know you know I mean he had a profession I had a profession but it's like I just wished you know I just I wish I knew what I was supposed to do kind of like most people most people don't know what they're supposed to do so they do nothing but I know that's not the answer I know the answer is serving but how when where you know if I had like a daily calendar I would even leave during the middle of work to go pray for somebody if that's what was required you know but it's like I don't have that kind of relationship with God. I mean, it's not like I'm Moses where I see him face-to-face. You know, I've, I've seen an angel once. I've seen a demon once, and that's pretty much it. It just kind of happened to me. You know, I'm not some kind of prophet. I'm not some kind of minister. I'm not some kind of preacher or deacon. I don't have a ministry. You know, I'm just some average guy who's working to keep a roof above his head, and food on the table.
0: But you, but you do have a testimony.
1: But, yeah, a, I do yeah. have a testimony, and I'm not ashamed to say it, man. I'm not ashamed to tell people. I'll tell people at work if they're willing to hear it. I'll pe- tell people out on the street if they're willing to hear it. I'll tell pe- tell people in the church if they're willing to hear it. But the problem is, is even in the church, they're not willing to hear it. they kind of like, you know, they're like doing this, you know, structured festival inside of a church, okay, stand there and pray, but leave God out of it. <laughs> you know? That's right. That's how I feel in most churches. Most churches, they don't have God in their church. It's like, Jesus is not invited here. We sing, but we sing, and he's not invited, you know, because God's going to start taking the bad things out of your life that you might like. You might say, if Jesus was here in your face, he'd be like, dude, you need to stop smoking. Seriously. And you'd be like, really? I need to stop smoking? Why? Is does it say in the Bible that you, you can't smoke. Where does that say in the Bible? You know, oh, I have to stop using drugs? I have to stop drinking alcohol? You know, well, what is it saying? When well, you drink, you turn water into wine. Come on. You know, they would sit there and argue with Jesus when he's the only one. He's the captain of our salvation. You know, because the truth is, is, if I'm saying it to you, it's no different than Jesus saying it to you. Especially when you know deep down that what I'm saying is true. You know, it's like, dude, don't you understand that verse that says your body is like a temple? And you're supposed to keep it holy? The smoking holy is drinking until you're plastered and vomiting holy? Is that a good thing? You know, why should I why should it even be in the Bible? They should have a general verse in there saying that this kind of stuff is bad, and you should be able to, of your own cognizance and mental preparedness, sit there and say this falls under that category. Smoking bad, drinking bad, cursing bad. Let me set this up to the side and let me not do that.
0: Well, you know, my wife interviewed this one lady and the lady one day said that all of a sudden in the midst of all this stuff she was doing, God spoke to her and said, why are you defiling your temple? And it so woke her up that, you know, I mean, it, it was just a shocker.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a shocker to most people because they watch their parents do it and their grandparents do it, and you know they're just like, well, they're doing it. It can't be bad for me to do it, you know. It's just like a, it's a chain, but it's like at some point, at some point, you have to be the man of God or the woman to God and sit there and stand up for your own family and your own life in your own way and sit there and say, for generations, this has been happening. But you know what? I'm going to be the change that I expect to see in other people. I'm going to start this. I'm going to make this change for my family. And I'm going to drag everybody to heaven with me, not to hell with me. You know, (laughs) at some point, you have to be the one to stand up for your family and do that, whether you're a man or a woman.
0: Yep. Well, Sean, um, would you mind saying a prayer over the audience?
1: Sure. And, uh, um, I guess we could say a prayer and end this up. Father, we thank you for always being in our lives, for being innocent with us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for guiding us and directing us, and making us feel your truth and letting your truth be known through our lives and through your good word. Thank you, Jesus Christ, for being our intercessor, for being our mediator for down on the cross for us for washing us clean from our sins help us to understand what your will is and to walk in it and to do this every day not just for ourselves but for our families to be the strength the pillar in our family inside the church and inside our work and even out on the streets that we know we should be help us to walk like that help us to walk like you Help us to walk, not in perfection, but in your goodness. Because there's only one who's perfect, and that's you, Lord. And we recognize that. And we lay our will down. And we take up our cross, and we follow you. And we give you all the honor and the glory because you are worthy of it. Blessed be your holy name. Blessed be your will over our lives. And thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us, even the stuff that we haven't seen. Thank thank you for your daily protection. Thank you for sending your healing angels to heal us even when we don't realize we're sick. Thank you for sending your angels to guard us and watch over us from the evil one. And thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. And we say these things in the mighty name of Jesus amen
0: amen well I will make sure that I'll get your information from you and attach it to here so if anybody wants to get a hold of you have you come you know speak at their church you know or wherever your ministry ends up going with this um, I'm I'm really glad to get your testimony on this yeah you're welcome man